You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello. How you doing? Ethan Bolton. How you doing, Josiah Pitts? Great. That's great. Always strange to say another person's full name and also to hear my own. Oh, it is. Isn't it ever? Wow. Really strange. I yeah. find it odd when people even just say my name oh, in general. I totally agree. Like, why? Why? Do we know. do that? I don't know. Like the other day, uh, Steve was in the office, and Steve, he was somewhere down the office hallway, and he said, hey, Josiah. And I was just, <laughs> that freaked me out. For like, he just, I don't know, like, do people just not say our names very well, often? So I don't know if this is a societal thing, and frankly, I don't care. I'm not about to make some sort of, like, judgment call on this. I just think what I've definitely noticed is that I tend to not use a person's name to them. Almost ever. In fact, sometimes I will actually kind of avoid it um, because it, it, it can feel alarming. And I don't want to, like, arrest their attention that way. I don't want to be like, hey, Josiah, how about you listen? You know what I mean? So Feels I sometimes, a bit aggressive. Yeah, sometimes I'll actually just enter a situation so that my presence is known and so that I can make the eye contact to initiate the conversation and say what I need to say instead of using a name. But the weird thing is, right, in terms of, like, like I'm making this term up, but laws of communication or whatever, <laughs> the value in using somebody's name. Or, like, yeah. in like like in a con man scheme, the more you use a person's name, it's, like, it's supposed to generate this, like, positivity and goodwill, even though it's, like, feigned. Right. So it's, like, supposed to have this positive effect, and yet, like, that's not necessarily what I experience. Right. Sometimes. Not, not that it's always bad, but it can certainly be weird. Yeah. I wonder why that is. I don't know. It's strange every time we do it. I mean, there's like some added benefit that if someone's new to listening, they can yeah, who they can the heck identify am I voices. To? <laughs> but yeah, I do find it to be a strange thing. Well, that's another mystery we'll have to solve in a, another episode or something. <laughs> because today, mm, that's today right. Today we are covering the final article of the Apostles' Creed. What a ride it's been. A little bittersweet, actually. Yeah, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed going through this and walking through it article yeah. by article. I like I like limited formats. And then when they're limited, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's... It has to end. <sighs> All good things must come to an end, except for the eternal kingdom of Christ. Okay, well, that's something. Which shall not end. <laughs> His kingdom knows no end. <laughs> Just had to be, you know, had to clarify there. Which this final article has something it, it to do with to that. Yeah. it does the final article of the creed is i believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting Two, yeah so out with a bang but a boo boo fireworks <laughs> oh eternal life uh, yeah yeah it's definitely we could have ended with i believe in the forgiveness of sins that would have been a strong ending um, it would have been. but then we're like but wait here's the epilogue <laughs> there's more um, yeah so if you've spent any length of time around me, or you've been regularly listening to the podcast, or if you've been a member of the church for a while, you have heard us talk about the resurrection and renewal of all things. Yeah, recently perhaps. Yeah, even recently, because we just recently did an entire message on the subject from our uh, series of God and Men. Mm -hmm. So if you missed that for whatever reason, go back and listen to it. It was, it was great stuff. But we hammer this point so much because it's a bulwark of Christian hope, and yet it's one of the most misunderstood pieces of the Christian faith. So when we say the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, along with the authors of the Apostles' Creed, what we mean is a literal, physical, bodily resurrection, like our bodies, which are laid to rest, are going to be raised up. Yeah. To life everlasting, indestructible, in a resurrected and material creation. Pretty, um, I'm going to say it, it's pretty metal. <laughs> 
I'm just going to point that out. I was wondering, very what were you going to say? It's pretty metal. It is. Is this 2007? Am I, yeah. am I listening to Demon Hunter again? So here's the problem, I think. Most American Christians, without realizing it, so I don't want to be out here saying, you know, most American Christians are out here, you know, screwing the whole thing up on purpose because they're out to thwart everything that we've ever believed as Christians. But without realizing it, they have bought into this Gnostic vision of life after death, which is to say they believe that when we die, our bodies are laid in the dust or they're cremated or they're buried at sea. I mean, whatever else have you, right? The body is just, it's... Done away with. Yeah, it's... Something I've heard is it's an empty shell now, just an empty shell. Right? Oh, I've definitely heard that. Yeah, I've definitely said that. I have to, if I have to be honest. Yeah. Oh, uh, many, many times I, I said that. Yes. The point being that the body is, it's this weird vessel that's done away with, and now our souls go to be with the Lord in heaven above in this pure realm, and that's the end of the show. Well, it's 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 a weirdly accurate description of, of what it's like to try to wrap your head around this as a kid, or at least that's the way it was for me. Like, oh, yeah. I, I could not grasp right. this. And my parents did not teach this ghostly interpretation of what, no. what it's like, but it, you kind of just like fill in the blanks when you don't fully understand something, and you end up with this. Yes, yes, and that's exactly it. And I think perhaps the actual issue was this reality was so assumed and thought so essential to the hope of the Christian that it just wasn't taught explicitly. Mm. And somewhere along the way, you know, like my parents didn't teach this ghostly weird, like, yeah, you're just going to be this weird little soul floating around in some strange lighty place. But that was like how I conceived. I just couldn't figure out what was happening when I died and then how the resurrection fit into that. Like, I just couldn't put those pieces together. Right. But <laughs> the testimony of scripture is fairly clear on this. You just, you have to know what it says and then fit the pieces together, which, you know, when you're a kid, you need help with, you know, <laughs> like um, I was no Plato or anything like that. Um, so for instance, here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23. I think 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the most definitive chapters on the resurrection of the body in the Bible, Ooh. if not the definitive chapter. But, you know, someone come debate me on that. Maybe we could do that. So here's what he says in those verses. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So what he's saying there is, you know, Christ rose from the dead and there are going to be people who follow him in that resurrection, but not yet. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So what Paul is saying here is that just as Christ was raised to bodily life and could eat a uh, fillet of fish what? for breakfast. <sighs> that is disgusting. Isn't that though? Ugh. I know. It's that's a it's a gross thing to think. Sorry, fillet of fish fans. Yeah, that is I I am sorry. It is interesting though, I feel like both the times that we we see him consuming food in his resurrection body, it's fish and bread. Like he probably had much better fish. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's that's probably true. But yeah, so he can he can eat. He could be touched. He could break bread. And so just as he had a body that could do those normal things that we do every day, mm-hmm. we too will have bodies like his. That's a good point. Yeah, but we're not going to receive those bodies until he returns. So that's where it gets kind of I think confusing, especially, you know, like when we were kids and for Christians who may be new to all this, because the reality is, yes, our spirits do in fact go to be with the Lord after we die. And Paul wrote in Philippians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So our our souls, our spirits do go to be with the Lord when we die, but that's not the end 
of the show. Like, we still have this longing to be reunited with our bodies because it's not natural for us yeah. to be without them. In fact, I'm just now remembering, I think it's in Second Corinthians, where Paul says, like, we don't lo- long to be unclothed. That's what he, he's talking about, death and resurrection oh, there. Wow. We don't long to be unclothed. Like, he's like, that's unnatural. We long to be further clothed. And he's using that for the resurrection body. Like, what we want is a body that's freed of corruption and freed of those things that make living in a body hard, right. you know? Part of the reason I think it actually can be a little bit normal for Christians even to be afraid of death, in a sense, is because you are heading into something that will be better. I want to make that clear. Like, you're heading into something infinitely better than what we have right now, but it's still not natural. Yeah, there's a facet of that that is deeply, spiritually foreign to your existence. It is. Yeah, like, I cannot literally, I have no concepts for understanding unbodied existence. But there will be a stretch of time where that will be true if I die before Christ returns. Exactly. Again, it will be better. I just want to make that clear. Like, it, it's strange and we can't imagine it. There's something that's unsettling about that, I think. It will be infinitely better, though. And yet, even in that infinitely better place, you have, like, the saints in Revelation who are in heaven and they're asking the Lord, how long exactly. until you return and yeah. you, you know, you avenge us and the, you make things right and we're restored to our bodies? So that's not a bad thing to have that longing and to feel that way about it. So those lines can get blurred if they're not taught explicitly. And I think sometimes we do assume a lot of things about that. that, You know what I mean? And then you'll get kind of like hung up on one piece of that or the other. You'll get hung up on the separation of the body to Mm -hmm. be present in the Lord. Or you'll think about the resurrection body and have no timeline or relationship between them and kind of lose the other piece. Yeah, because you get some people who go on that end of the spectrum and like, well, you you just do soul sleep like until your resurrection. (laughs) Like it's just like this weird like, That doesn't sound good. Yeah, like what what does that mean? Well, that doesn't make sense of anything else the Bible says about, you know, like Abraham, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, you know, where Lazarus is with Abraham, there's the chasm and and the rich man's like, you know, like, ah, like he's experiencing something even though he's not in a body at that moment. So all that is to say at Christ's second coming, when he returns the cry of command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, that's when we get our resurrection bodies and our souls are reunited. And here's what Paul tells us on that account in 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 55. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You know, I'm really starting to have more sympathy for that confused childhood version of myself. Because <laughs> I mean, there's a lot you can get hung up on without all of that added context. Yes, there is. And when you actually put it down on the timeline, it's fairly simple. When you yeah. like have the pieces in front of you, you're like, oh yeah, like you die, soul goes to be with the Lord, Jesus comes back, souls reunite with the body. But... If you don't have those pieces in front of you, trying to figure out how that all fits together is very confusing. Yeah. So just to make it clear, this is the timeline. We just mentioned you. You die, soul goes to be with the Lord. Christ returns. So there is a moment coming where Jesus is going to return to the earth. He's going to physically, bodily return. And at that moment, the dead in Christ are raised with imperishable bodies. They get those glorified bodies like the one Christ had. We'll be able to recognize people, you know, like again, we've talked about this before, but it's not as if when, if you and I are dead, and then, you know, Christ comes back and our bodies are raised. I'm not going to look at you and be like, 
Ethan! I... Who? What? Ethan? No, surely not. That's not you. You look nothing like you. Like, there will be... Something. Something of you that I'll know. Like, oh, that's Ethan. And yet, there will be this discontinuity. It's, it's a, a body free Imperishable, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be imperishable. It's going to be mortal. It's going to be glorified. And so, in some strange way that we, again, can't fully imagine now, you will be completely different. I almost get the feeling, like C.S. Lewis said, that if we could see what those bodies would look like, we would actually be tempted to worship one another. Like, if I could see you as you're going to be in your glorified form, I would be so overwhelmed in my mortal, perishable body, I would be tempted to worship you. I mean... Or I would shy away in shame. People try to do that with angels all the time. So that's pretty conceivable. Yeah. So we are raised with those imperishable bodies at Christ's return. And then, as Paul says right there in 1 Corinthians 15, at the moment we are raised and at the moment Christ returns... Death is defeated at that same moment. That's pretty definitive. That's the definitive moment. Christ returns, we are raised, death is defeated. And the renewal of all things basically happens at that moment. And we are ushered into the new heavens and the new earth, the life everlasting, which, again, we make this joke a lot, but it's not the eternal church service in the sky. Like, that's not what it is. I have no doubt we will probably have worship services there. But even those, I was actually thinking about this, this past Sunday, I think, how frustrated I was getting by the fact that, like, I want to worship with my whole heart and I can't even do that. Like, I want to do that. Like, at that moment, like, when I'm gathered at the church and we're singing these songs, and we were singing some, like, amazing songs this weekend, but I couldn't even fulfill my heart's desire there. Like, I wanted to give everything to God in that moment and I couldn't do it. Like, I just knew, like, like, I I can't do it. I just can't. Like, that's beyond my, my ability to do as a sinful human being at this point. Like, there are sins in my heart right now in this moment, in this holy place that I don't even know about yet. Right, yeah. So... In the new heaven, the new earth, we will worship, but we will worship with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like so, even that worship, it will be it will be so sweet and it will be so perfect that theoretically, if that was all we were doing, guess what? We would be perfectly content Somehow, to do that. Yeah, yeah. But that's not all that we're going to do. We're going to live lives that are much like the ones we're living here, but infinitely better. So, in the new heaven, the new earth, we will run and play and eat and drink in these uncursed and glorified bodies. We're going to enjoy a reality that is, in a sense, more solid and more real somehow. Our capacities for enjoying life and enjoying Christ will only increase for all of eternity. That's the other thing. Like, it's not like you're going to hit some threshold, you know? I think we do that. Like, well, I mean, I think if we're self-aware enough, I mean, you have these moments where you kind of forget yourself, you know? I'll have these moments when I'm like, you know, in the company of friends and we're all just having a good time yeah. and we're having a really good conversation or we're doing something that we're all really enjoying together. And you know, though, that moment's going to end. Of course. And in some sense, it's still not fully what it could be. There's this like sense in which you're missing somebody. God should be here doing this with us. Like in a sense, like Jesus should be here doing this with us. And so you, you're still going to have this like this sense of, of longing. And uh, that's just not going to happen in the new heavens and the new earth. Like your capacities for enjoying life and enjoying Christ will be continually increased, but without the sorrow. Like you're not going to be thinking like, oh gosh, like I know that things are going to get better and I'm just so sad that they're not better yet. Like you're just, they're just going to keep getting better and you're going to be like, I can't believe we're getting this much deeper. I can't believe it's getting this much better for the rest of eternity because God is an eternal being. He has no beginning, no end, no depth and no height in the, in the spatial sense. So like that means for the rest of forever, we'll just be plumbing 
the depths of new happiness, new pleasures, and new glories. And we'll be doing things like, you know, I think Steve mentioned this, but like you run with the horses and, you know, enter into playing with your, you know, like when my puppy goes running, it's not going to be like, oh, I'm out of breath, I can't keep up with my dog. Like, yeah, no, we will, we will do all those things. And here's another thing that blows my mind when I think about it. Think about all that has been made and created already in a cursed and fallen world. We have made some amazing things. Absolutely. Done some incredible stuff. And then imagine what it would be like if we could create and work and build without the curse and without the sin, without frustration. Like, like without things breaking down and going wrong. <laughs> and by comparison, like all the beauty that we're capable of here is nothing but like a dim reflection of what will be possible. Yes, yes. That's uh, to, to steal imagery from the author of uh, Hebrews. These things are just shadows. Like the light shining behind the real beauty. We can see a shadow of it here on the earth. And so we can get a picture of its shape and like, oh, like, well, it must be like this. But then in the new heavens and new earth, we will turn around and we will see the light and the thing it was illuminating. Yeah. And like, oh, whoa, like the shadow, like <laughs> the shadow is just a shadow. Like we just, we just barely got the idea of its shape from that. And oh my goodness, how much more amazing will that be to actually see the reality of that? So when I think about those things, I actually find that, to put a flip on the old saying, I'm so heavenly minded that I'm of the most earthly good. Like, that is the kind of thinking, that doesn't make me want to retreat to a monastery and cloister myself away and be like, oh, just, you know, scared of the world. I got to wait until, you know, Jesus comes back to make things better. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, if that's what we're heading for, I want to give my best labors here and now. Mm-hmm. And again, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but like, who knows what of our best works may or might not even survive exactly. to go in to the new heaven and the new earth. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, well, that fuels my labor. Like, of course, I want to do my best. So yeah, that hope fuels my labors here and now. And I think and am fairly certain that the framers of this creed had that in mind when they put it at the end. Because, I mean, this is the end of the story as we know it. It's where our, we're ultimately heading. And then that's the the new chapter of a, of a story that never ends. And yet never gets boring. You know, it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this never ends. It's like, wow, this is amazing. In fact, I I imagine we won't have regrets, but I imagine the only thing we would ever think is if I knew it was going to be this amazing, I would have given more of myself to it on earth. Like, if that makes sense. So we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Mm. Your body is not a prison to be escaped from. Going to be restored. Need reminding of that sometimes. (laughs) Same. Like when I'm like, you know, my body is aching and I'm like back here. I'm like, oh, Lord, please. Like, don't worry. I'll make a better one. I was uh, true to life. I was making coffee this morning and and I bent over it. And like muscles in my back, like seized up. I'm like, what is happening to me? What did I do? What did I do to you? Did I sleep wrong? What happened? I saw a joke the other day. Someone was like, ah, finally, I got eight full hours of good sleep. And then it was like, neck, lol, but you did it wrong. It's like, neck hurts. So, like, yes, this is true. Won't have that problem in the new heaven, the new earth. So, yes, indeed. So, there we have it. The Creed is done. Dang. Yeah. If you were interested in the Apostles' Creed, go check out. <laughs> I say this like we have the recommendation. Yeah, go check out this thing. But if you really are, you're wanting to learn more about the creeds and you're wanting to steep yourself in those, go read and recite the Nicene Creed and the Athanasian Creed. Those other two are absolutely stunning in their breadth and scope. They're much longer, much more robust, which is why we didn't want to do a whole series. We would be doing <laughs> that two for year series. Yeah, two year series. So, but yeah. That's the creed, the Apostles' Creed. We have given you the definitive exposition from beginning to end. Mm. Look no further. Can't wait to the video game adaptation. (laughs) 
<laughs> I had to bring that back. <laughs> yeah, you did. Huh. Well, thank you as always for listening. We hope this episode and the series was encouraging and helpful to you. If you did find it helpful and you want to leave an, an honest five-star review. The only kind. The only kind. Then uh, you can do that wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to share it, that would be great as well. And if you do have questions or you want to ask about anything else, you can email us podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. So thank you, dear listeners, for spending your time with us. And we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.